when Jesus was dying on the cross, who was he dying for? God answers that question in his own word to say, I sent my son to die for those that I had chosen. Note everyone. John 10, 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. Not for anyone who can believe. I lay down my life for the sheep, not and gods. Welcome to All Things Reformed Podcast. This podcast exists to convey sound teaching for transformation of lives. We began a journey around the distinctives of the Reformed faith, called with the acronym TULIP. And today we are on the L, Limited Atonement. Was Christ's death making salvation a possibility? Or there is more to it? Pastor Confex what would be a faithful question to ask to set the agenda here around limited atonement? We come to what I would call the most controversial point of doctrine in the tulip. There are some who say, well, I'm a four-point Calvinist. Right. Yeah, so they will hold on to all these other four points, but not this one. So they will take an exception on this one. But you spoil the tulip anyway. But, right. uh yeah, just this just shows how this is a hard uh, point to understand. But it ought not to be, because again, this is taught very well in Scripture. Under limited atonement, the question should be, what was God's design or purpose for giving us Jesus Christ to die for our sins, and to redeem us from condemnation. Did God give Jesus to die and make salvation possible for all people? Or God gave Jesus to die and make salvation effectual, not just possible, but effectual for those he had chosen to serve. So, going to the point that you made, those who are against this, the remonstrants, and today we say the Armenians, will say, well, Jesus Christ died on the cross and he made salvation possible for all. I make reference here to John 3 verse 16. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes that whosoever believes here this pastor conflict sounds inclusive it creates a strong suspicion for possibility now that doesn't bring any hope because god is just making it possible it will depend on me whether i can utilize that work of christ or not and we've already looked at total depravity i'm unable to do that while the reformed Doctrine, really what it says, is God did not just make salvation possible. He made it effectual. When Christ was dying on the cross, he had people that he were dying for. And all those he died for will be saved. What do you lose if you accept that Christ died and made salvation a possibility? 
When God is doing everything, he has a purpose. He has mm. a design. Reformed faith always teaches that Christ's death is sufficient to take the sins of the whole world. Sufficient for that. But is effective or effectual only to those God had chosen to save. So we are not saying, well, Christ's death was limited, again, this is another misunderstanding, was limited in that it doesn't have much uh, value to save everyone else. That's not what we are saying. It is sufficient to save all, but effectual only for those that God had chosen. So I would like to read Article 3 mm -hmm. and 6 of the second head of the Canons of Dot. This is what it says. The death of the Son of God is the only and most perfect sacrifice and satisfaction for sin and is of infinite worth and value, abundantly sufficient to expiate the sins of the whole world. Notice that. Sufficient to expiate, to remove, to take away the sins of the whole world. Then it goes on, Article 6. And whereas many who are called by the gospel do not repent nor believe in Christ, but perish in unbelief, this is not owing to any defect or insufficiency in the sacrifice offered by Christ upon the cross, but it is holy to be imputed to themselves. So just to, yeah, to go back, we, we are not losing anything, but I believe the faithful question that we need to ask ourselves, Lord, when you sent your son to die on the cross, what was your purpose? God answers that question in his own word to say, I sent my son to die for those that I had chosen, to die for those who believe in Christ because I chose them to believe. Now, a couple of scripture basis for that. Mm. John 10, 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, when you come to scripture, sheep represents believers. Right. And another term that is used for unbelievers is gods. Mm. And here Christ is very clear. I lay down my life for the sheep, not and gods. So you, you can see here Christ has a clear purpose of his mission to lay down his life for the sheep, for believers, for the chosen ones. In Matthew 1, verse 21, And she, Mary, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He has a people that he's coming for, to save from their sins. His people. And Matthew 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Notice, not for all, but for many. God knows. Christ has come for many, but not for all. And then Matthew 26, verse 28, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. He is Christ. We're not talking about everyone else. Many. Kind of limiting it. Definite, particular atonement, salvation for a particular group of people. You know, these truths they can, for a dying man, for a dead man, they can be devastating. Yeah. 
And there are some deep truths that uh, when we come to them, I mean, we just fall down and bow our heads in humility and in praise because we cannot fully understand it. Mm -hmm. Now, I can be here and explain limited atonement. I can explain as much as I understand from Scripture, but I still need to admit that there are other things that I don't fully understand. Now, talking about, uh, so then, then God is unfair or whatever we're going to use, why just choosing some? Again, we, we, we remember, we have already addressed that when we were looking at um, unconditional election. It's not like God is leaving some people who say, God, no, I want to be saved. And God say no to you. And then he's coming to someone who says, God, I don't want you. And say, whether you want or not, come here. That's not what is happening. Mm. What is really happening is that all of us have sinned and are running away from God. None of us has anything to do with God. And it's God out of his mercy choosing to save some. Now, if he's going to choose to save some, he has to provide a means of saving them. And that is a perfect sacrifice of Christ. So when Christ is coming, he's going to die for those that God has chosen so that they can be saved as God wants them to be saved. So he's um, supplementing election. God has a purpose to save those he has chosen, and Christ comes uh, to die for them. If God has taken care of everything, he has chosen those he will redeem, and Christ has died for them already. Why should we preach the gospel? Well, we preach the gospel first because we do not know who are those that Christ died for. You can just look at people and say, ah, well, I think you were... One of those people were chosen to be saved, so I'll preach the gospel. We do not know. One thing that we know in the Bible is very clear that uh, in heaven there will be people from all nations. So we know that God has people in every nation. And our responsibility is to go and proclaim the gospel so that they believe and be saved. But also, the Lord uses means to save his people. And he, it has pleased the Lord to use the foolishness of preaching and evangelizing to save people. So it's a means. That's why we go and uh, preach. And actually for me as a preacher, I'm encouraged. The doctrine of election and uh, limited atonement encourages me. Because when I'm preaching to a group of people, I am confident to say there could be some here that Christ died for on the cross. Mm. And they need to hear this gospel for them to believe and benefit from this death. So it's an encouragement to me rather than a discouragement, because I know that the preaching of God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish his purpose. It will serve those that Christ died for. I'm going to divert a little bit as we finish. Yes. I've heard in prayers, yeah. people calling on the blood of Jesus mm -hmm. to take care of their cars as they're traveling. They cast the blood on their houses. Yeah. They cast the blood on equipment they're using for whatever purpose, um, claiming really the blood of Jesus on any other issues apart from the atonement issue. We should be very careful not to use the blood of Jesus Christ as some form of magic because it is not. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross was primarily to cleanse us from our sin. And through the cleansing 
of our sin by the blood of Christ, we overcome our three greatest enemies, Satan, death, and sin. Satan is defeated because Christ shed his own blood to redeem us from his bondage. Death is defeated by the blood of Christ because through that blood, we have been redeemed from the bondage of death. Now we shall live in Christ through his death and resurrection. But also through that blood that was shed, that cleanses away our sin, also has redeemed us from the bondage of sin. I think those who use um, the blood of Christ as some form of magic base their understanding on Revelation chapter number 12, verse 11, which says, And they, meaning believers, have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Now, even if you can see in the context here, Satan is persecuting the church. Satan is an accuser of brethren. He's accusing these people of various things. But how do they overcome Satan? When Satan stands up against you and accuses you of your former sins, reminds you of what you've done in the past before Christ forgave you and cleansed you with his blood, how do you stand against the accuser of brethren? It is through the blood of Christ by reminding him, yes, I was a sinner, but my sin was washed by the blood of Christ shed on the cross. So here, John, in the book of Revelation, is not saying, well, just spray the, the blood of Christ on your car, on the door of your house, whatever it is, and then automatically it's a magic that will protect you. No, I'm afraid that borders on blasphemy. But rather what John is telling us in the book of Revelation is that Satan cannot stand and accuse us. We do overcome his accusation through the shed blood on the cross of Jesus Christ that washes away every sin. This also is where we leave it for today. Please email us your thoughts about the program and any questions you may have. You can email us on atreformed at gmail.com. atreformed, one word, at gmail.com. You can also inbox us on all things Reformed podcast page on Facebook.